says, listen, if you have faith where you can move mountains and you don't have love, you ain't got nothing. You give all that you have to the poor so that you might get some type of, of uh, accolades, but you have not love, nothing. You could speak with the tongues of men, all different men, and angels, but you don't have this? What are you, Andre? Ding, tinkling cymbal. It's all you are, a ding-dong, if you don't have love. Praise God. I'll say amen to myself tonight. That you increase more and more. Now let's go to one more text in 1 John, and then we'll continue. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. And this needs to become a foundation in your thinking. I'd put this on an index card, or type it out, put it on your phone, put it in your calendar. Get your mind renewed to this scripture. My little children, verse 18, let us not love in word, in logos, neither in tongue, in the words that you speak out your mouth, but in deed or in action and in truth, in reality. That's how we are to love. So in other words, uh, back up to verse 17. Well, let's read verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that what Jesus said in John 15? No love has a greater man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Verse 17, but whoso has this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? What's the answer? It doesn't. Amen. Praise God. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Praise God. Okay, let's continue. Go to chapter 1, if you will. I'm just going to start. We've only got to verse 7 so far. It took us three weeks to get through seven verses. All right, verse 1. Uh, that which was from the beginning and that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word, the logos of Zoe, life. For the Zoe, the life, the God kind of life, was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and show Unto you that eternal life. What's his name? Come on, what's his name? Jesus. Jesus, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship. What's fellowship? Two fellows in the same ship. And if there are two fellows in the same ship, what direction are they going in? The same a thing, same direction, amen? See, these are little things that we can do to check ourselves. We can check ourselves to see, are, am I going in the same direction with my husband? Come on, am I going in the same direction with my wife? Are we two fellows in the same ship? Because if we're not, then we're not having fellowship. 
And these things write we unto you that your joy, oh, there it is again, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, this word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia, partnership. With him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. And again, the revelation the Lord gave me from this verse is that if we'll walk in the light or the Word of God as much as possible, and as much as we know, and we'll walk in love or fellowship with one another, then there is a continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all sin or offense. Every mistake that we'd ever make, there is a cleansing from the throne of God of his blood when our heart is kept right with God. And again, that's what the Lord is looking at. He's looking at your heart. This is a heart thing. This is a walk between you and God. And it's about keeping your heart right. When you walk in the word, you do the word as much as you know how. James says that he that knoweth to do good and doesn't, to him it is sin or the Greek word hamartia or offense. It's offense if you know you're supposed to do it and you don't do it. That's offense. That's sin. Amen? Amen. And if you keep walking in love with your brothers, you stay in fellowship. Keep going in the same direction with your brothers. Amen? Do you know you can do that even when someone is very immature? In other words, they want to have a conversation about something and you don't agree on that. You can find something that you do agree on. You can at least agree on the fact that you all like Pastor Ward. You can find something to talk about. Amen? And then you're back heading in the same direction. Praise God. I was just kidding, by the way. Verse 8, if we say that we have no offense, that's what we spent all last Wednesday on. If we say that we have no offense, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess or acknowledge, homologio, our offenses, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our offenses and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. When we take a step out of love, we commit sin. But we don't just do it against our brother or our sister. We do it against God. Because sin is God's business. Sin is not the devil's business. Sin is not your neighbor's business. Sin, when we commit it, is against God. That's why we don't need to go to a priest or go to anyone else to get forgiveness of sin we need to go to the one that we committed it against. And that was against God's law. And God's law is that we love one another. Amen? So we go to God first. Then if you have committed offense against your brother, then you go to your brother and you say, please forgive me. You know, many times I've gone to people when I can perceive that they're offended. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How, ma how many in here are parents? How many you can tell when your kids are shut down on you? You may not even know what you did, but you did something, 
and all of a sudden they put this bubble up around them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And you're talking to them, but nothing's really going through because they're hurt based on what you did. There's a bubble up there, a bubble, an offense bubble. And you can perceive it. You can pick up on it. And you may have picked up on that with friends and other people, especially husbands and wives. How many husbands know when you messed up with your wife? You know it. So what do you do? I go to them and say, you know, whoever, you know, I, I, I'm just sensing like I, I did something and, and I just ask you to forgive me. Did you hear what I said? I just ask you to forgive me. Because chances are, if I didn't do something now, I've done something before. And if I hadn't done something before, I'm going to do something tomorrow or the next day. So I might as well take care of it right now. And then when we get there, I'll take care of that too. Because listen, as long as you are in the flesh, you are going to cause offense to somebody. Back up again here and look at verse 8. We're going to read verse 8 out loud. Ready? Read. If we say that we have no offense, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we need to just get over ourselves and recognize that we are going to miss the mark. We are going to mess up at some point as long as we are in this flesh. Amen. And we need to learn to sow mercy and we need to learn to... to, 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 to Nip this stuff in the bud. And when, when you think there's any type of offense out there, you be the more spiritual person and you take care of it. Come on. Because if it's not you right now, it'll be you some other time. So go out there, be the spiritual person, and go up to your brother or sister or whoever the person is and say, you know, I just, I'm just sensing like, like something's going on between us. I don't know what it is. Um... I ask you to forgive me. Whatever I did, please forgive me. From your heart. Not just throwing something out there like you're in pride. Because there's such a thing as false humility. And people know. You know what I'm saying? They can pick up on, on where you're at. And if you're just doing it because you're just, you know, really in your heart, you really think it's their fault. And so you're going to them and you're just pretending to be spiritual, saying, well, I guess it was my fault. That ain't humility, that's pride. False humility is pride. Do you understand? So if you really can't do it from your heart, take the responsibility, you need to go before God and deal with your pride. Whoo, hello. I didn't say just forget about it. Take it to God in prayer and let him begin to reveal you to you. You know, that's why many times God will ask you questions. It's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to get you to see where you're at and reveal it to you. Praise God. Love never fails. When you choose to walk in love and you choose to walk in humility, you will always succeed. You will always win. You will always go to the top. It may look bad for a moment. How many know it looked bad for Jesus for a moment? But Jesus is the one who said, unless a grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. So what do we need to do? We need to fall to the ground and die so that Jesus can live through us. If any man will save his life, 
he must first lose it. Praise God. Verse 10. If we say that we have not offended, again, hamartia, if we say, or it's a, it's a version of hamartia, it's not, it, it's right in that, it, it's just a different, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Conjugation of the word. If we say that we have not offended, we make Jesus a liar, and his logos is not in us. Why? Because if you say something that's contrary to his word, then the truth is not really in your heart. And what will keep that from coming forth is pride. Again, the root of deception is pride. Pride is inundated with lies. Just tell the truth. You know, Paul said over and over and over in the scripture, don't lie one to another. Who is he talking to? Christians. So what does that mean? It means you're going to be tempted to get out the easy way by telling a lie. Don't tell a lie. Tell the truth. Because the truth will eventually come out. And you'd rather be telling on yourself than having someone else tell on you. Did you get that? Don't let someone else put you on the shame show. Put yourself on the shame show. It doesn't hurt as much. You'll get over it quicker. You know, you're talking to somebody and, and you say, yeah, man, I went fishing and I caught a five-pound bass. And all of a sudden, you get convicted. And the Holy Ghost says on the inside, that wasn't no five-pound bass. You know that bass was only a pound and a half. But what are you doing? You're boasting. The pride of life. You're trying to show up. So what do you do? You get checked in your spirit, fix it right there. Take yourself by the ear and say, John, you tell the truth right now. You tell him. You tell him. You tell him. Dave, you know what? I said it was a five-pound bass. It wasn't no five-pound bass. It was a pound and a half. Now, it was gorgeous. It was big and plump. But, but it wasn't five pounds. I, I lied. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I don't know why I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Done. And now what did you just do? You set yourself up for spiritual promotion. Psalm 75 says promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. You, you might look good for a minute with a five-pound bass story. But you ain't pulling no wool over on God's eyes. He knows how big that bass was. He created it. So tell on yourself. Put yourself on the shame show. Walk in humility. Walk in the love of God. Love doesn't lie. Love tells the truth. So if you exaggerated or you said something outside, no matter how you want to call it or look at it, it was a lie. So tell the truth. People will respect you more as a result. And you do that a few times, and before you know it, you won't be doing it anymore. Why? Because it's much easier to tell the truth the first time than have to tell the person that you lied and what the truth was. Amen. Amen. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Is this a true statement? Honesty is the best policy. 
No, it ain't. Honesty is the only policy. It ain't a good policy. It is the policy. And if there's anything else but truth, you need to get rid of it. Cut it out. Amen? I don't mean knock it off. I mean cut it out. Get a knife and cut it out of your life. What is a knife? What's sharper than any two-edged sword? The Word of God. Apply the Word. It'll cut it out of your life. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen tonight. Praise God. Verse, uh, chapter 2. Look at that. My little children. Now, little children in the Greek literally means an infant darling. An infant darling. Why is that significant? Because we are reading this, and this is God speaking to us, and he's not speaking unto us as mature Christians. He is speaking unto us as his little darlings. He's speaking unto us as his little children. Are you getting this? And and Jesus even said it like this. He said, no man can enter into the kingdom of God unless he first become converted like a little child. My little children, these things write I unto you that you offend not. And if any man offend, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now this word advocate is very important. Let's see what it looks like in the Amplified, please. My little children, I write unto you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. What is God's law to us? To love one another. That is the New Testament law or commandment. It's not the law in the sense of the law of Moses, but it is certainly the law of Christians to love one another. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate. One who will intercede for us with the Father, it is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, upright, just, who conforms to the Father in every purpose, thought, and action. Now the word advocate here is the Greek word parakletos. Many of you are familiar with that Greek word, parakletos. Jesus said, let's just go ahead and look at it, go to John 14. St. John 14. By the way, our text is found in John 15, right? All of this word that we're reading here in John, um, beginning with chapter 12, is the last six days of Jesus' life. Last four days of Jesus' life, beginning with Sunday night, which was Palm Sunday, Uh, on verse 12, when he uh, came back and walked into Jerusalem. So, John 13, you see Jesus says in, in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Then in John 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He starts talking about heaven. Then in verse 15, he says, If you love me, 
keep my commandments. What's his commandment? To love one another. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. What's another comforter? It means that you already got one, which is who? Jesus. And I will send you another comforter. Someone who is just like the first one that you had. And he may abide with you forever. Who is going to be with you forever? The Holy Ghost. He's your friend. He's your helper. Glory to God. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, my advocate, my paraclete. So what in the world does this word mean? Well, keep reading verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world 